You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Policy and perspective from D.C.'s top names. Joe Biden gave a talk this morning, blamed everybody else on inflation. He took no responsibility and has no plan. I know you got to be frustrated. I can taste it. Frustrated by high prices, by gridlock in Congress. Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Inflation persists. Welcome to the fastest hour in politics and a conversation with Moody's economist Mark Zandi on this CPI day as political risks build for Democrats. Donald Trump suffers his first loss of the cycle. Happened in Nebraska. Carried a big win, though, in West Virginia. We'll hit the campaign trail and talk primaries with Jessica Taylor of the Cook Political Report. An abortion rights bill just failed in the U.S. Senate. We'll have the latest from Capitol Hill and analysis on all of these stories from our panel today. Bloomberg Politics contributors, Democratic analyst Jeannie Shanzano and Republican strategist Rick Davis with us for the hour. But first, we start with a breaker here in Washington, as you've been hearing on Bloomberg Radio, an abortions or an abortion rights bill, I should say, blocked in the U.S. Senate. As expected, the vote came in 49-51. Every Republican and a single Democrat, Joe Manchin, voting against the outcome, as I mentioned, not a surprise. And we'll have more on this later on in this hour with Rick and Jeannie, our sound on panel. The other big story of the day, the CPI that Charlie just mentioned, consumer prices up more than forecast in April, but a slight cooling year over year, 8.3% on an annual basis Still, though, among the highest readings in decades, President Biden spoke to this issue at a campaign stop speaking to farmers and farmers' families in Illinois. Right now, America is fighting on two fronts. At home, it's inflation and rising prices. Abroad, it's helping Ukrainians defend their democracy and feeding those who are left hungry around the world because Russian atrocities exist and Jeff and the American farmers understand Putin's war has, has, has cut off critical sources of food. Echoing remarks from yesterday on the causes of inflation. This is where we begin now with Mark Zandi, the chief economist at Moody's Analytics, back with us on Sound On. Mark, welcome back to Bloomberg. It's good to be with you, Joe. Thanks for having me. I'm going to start with the question you do not want to answer. Uh, has inflation peaked? It has. Uh, I, I think uh, we've We've seen the peak. The key here, obviously, is oil prices coming in, and that goes back to the Russian invasion of Ukraine, and it also goes back to the pandemic and supply chains and all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, I think the most likely scenario is that inflation has peaked and will moderate. It'll take a, you know, a while, Joe, to get back to something we all feel comfortable with, but mm-hmm. I think we're on that path, yes. Well, he didn't even blink at that question. Okay, now that we've <laughs> gone there, 
I know it's easy to <laughs> ask in hindsight. Right, <laughs> that <could be> right. <laughs> but Mark, how come you and other major economists did not see this level of inflation coming with an eight handle in front of it? Well, I, I'd say it's a pandemic. Uh, you know, if you think back a year ago, uh, the vaccine rollout, I think uh, the view was, and it certainly was mine, that we were on the other side of the pandemic, and then we got nailed pretty soon thereafter by the Delta variant, and that just scrambled global supply chains. That really, the Delta in particular, did a lot of damage to, to Asia, where all the supply chains begin. And so the real surprise was the, the pandemic, mm-hmm. and that really caused shortages and you know, obviously higher inflation. And then the Russian invasion. I, you know, I didn't, I wasn't in my crystal ball, uh, unfortunately. And, right. You know, that caused oil prices and commodity prices go skyward, and exacerbated the inflation, raised inflation expectations. So it, it goes back to these massive supply side shocks, the mm-hmm. pandemic and the invasion, and they're very unpredictable. And uh, obviously, I didn't predict them. So we're delving into the real debate that's going on in Washington between really it's, it's between Democrats and Republicans. It's a party line debate about the causes of inflation. The president said yesterday very clearly as he addressed the nation, it's two things, the pandemic, the war, essentially what you just said. Republicans say, though, Democrats poured gas on the fire by sending those checks to everyone during the covid recovery, the stimulus money. Who's right here, Mark? And and does the answer change the solution? I think it's mostly the president. I mean, I do think the American Rescue Plan, the big uh, package of support that uh, was passed last March, that did support demand, juiced up uh, demand and also uh, caused inflation to accelerate back a year ago. But I, you know, if you remember back at that point, that was that was a feature, not a bug. We, we wanted inflation to be higher because it had been painfully low since the financial crisis and the Federal Reserve and other central banks had been working really hard to get inflation up. So here we were, and inflation was back to something I think people felt pretty good about. Uh, but uh, the inflation, the bad inflation, the, the painfully high inflation right now is that is the pandemic. That is the Russian invasion. It has nothing to do in any material way with the increase in demand mm-hmm. related to the American rescue plan. In fact, demand, if you look at it, uh, demand has essentially gone flat, you know, for goods you know, over the last year. It hasn't, hasn't moved one bit in, in over a year. So it's not, at this point, it's not demand, it's, it's supply, those supply shocks. And mm-hmm. it does matter because that goes to, you know, potentially, you know, how we think about inflation, the forecast for inflation going forward and, you know, what what can be done about the uh, trying to bring inflation down going forward. So is the only way to fix that uh, with the sledgehammer, with just continuously raising interest rates until people stop? Well, I mean, I think, you know, if, if inflation is going to moderate, we've got to get on the other side of the pandemic and, and, we, and supply chains has to iron themselves out. And hopefully the worst of the fallout from the racial invasions uh, on uh, on the economy, on oil prices and natural gas and other commodity prices is behind us. That's the case. We're going to we're going to see inflation moderate. That goes back to your first question, why it was so definitive. I mm-hmm. think that's likely to happen. Now, the Federal Reserve also has a role here, uh, and that is because the economy is strong and coming into full employment, that they need to slow growth so that we don't blow past full employment and create more wage pressures and price pressures. That's that be particularly problematic at this point, given what's going on with inflation. So that does have a role here. But at the end of the day, the key, the th- and, you know, the, the, you know, no one likes this answer, but you know, we need a little bit of luck. We got to get on the other side of the pandemic, and we got to, you know, hopefully, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, you know, uh, fades away as an economic issue. I believe Janet Yellen used that word luck when she was. Asked about the chances for a soft landing. She said, yeah, it takes skill and a little bit of luck. So 
Where are you on this idea of recession being inevitable? I don't think it's inevitable. I, I think, you know, uh, the, obviously recession risks are awfully high here, uncomfortably high, and they're rising. Uh, you know, I, I pressed, I'd say there's probably a one in a third probability on recession in the next 12 months and plus, probably close to even odds over the next uh, next couple of years. Uh, but uh, I don't think it's inevitable. I, I, you know, I do think if we get a catch a break on the pandemic and the Russian invasion uh, and the Fed, you know, kind of sticks to script here, it doesn't need to push on the brakes any harder. Uh, we should be able to navigate through, but uh, it's going to, yeah, I think she said, uh, you know, it sounds like she said it well, it's going to take some deft policymaking on, yeah. on the Fed's part and a bit of luck. Speaking of demand, a lot of the inflation driven by COVID came from the shift in demand from services to goods. Now that we're seeing prices for services rise today, I think it was an 18% jump in airfares, uh, for instance. Is that rotation back to services underway? How long will that take? Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, goods, I mentioned goods demand uh, has gone flat for the past year, but we have seen the service side of the economy start to come back. That's travel and uh, going to ball games and restaurants, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. I, I think the, the inflation that we're reserving on the service side of the economy, you mentioned the airfares, that's a poster child for that. That goes back to oil prices, right? That goes back to the surge. I mean, oil, energy prices are up by a third, you know, over the, you know, over the last year. And uh, it's not like they, what we pay at the gas pump. It's the diesel prices that you know feed into food prices, and the you know the cost of, of things that are delivered to our door by Amazon or right, UPS. Right. And it you know also goes to airfares. Uh, the airlines have to charge a higher fare just to compensate for their higher gas, uh, jet fuel, fuel costs. Well, hopefully that move gives the ports a chance to breathe if all of these boxes and containers aren't stacking up with every time we click to buy something on Amazon. Yeah, exactly, and I think it will. I, but you know, we, the problem right now, obviously, with regard to the pandemic, is, is China, and the China is grappling with the Omicron variant, and their their strategy for handling is very different than you know most other parts of the world, including here. That's for sure. They have these very severe shutdowns that yeah. uh, are affecting big parts of that economy, so that's disrupting supply chains again, and you know, it's going to exacerbate the inflationary pressure. But hopefully. You know, they get this under control in the next month or two, and supply chains continue to normalize. I will say the worst of the supply chain disruptions are behind us. The, you know, the worst of it, hard to remember, but if you go back to last fall when Delta hit back in you know August, September, October, yeah. by, by most measures, you know, freight rates and what purchasing managers are saying and, you know, those kinds of things, it was much worse back then than now. But, it, you know, certainly we, we need, need to see continued improvement here. Mark Zandi, you supported the president's infrastructure law uh, and helped to make the case for Build Back Better. The president's back out yesterday, today, calling on Congress to again pass some of the components from Build Back Better, an expanded child tax credit, new plan for prescription drugs. They've got a pretty long list of things. Would those actually, to his point, help inflation or make it worse? I, I think mostly help. I mean, uh, you know, you mentioned a few good policies. I, I, I throw in the mix the policies in Build Back Better, they're related to housing. I mean, one of the key uh, uh, contributors to inflation, and this is going to continue going forward, is rent. You know that you know rents are you know if you look at housing, it's a third of the consumer price index, and we've got a very severe shortage of homes, particularly you know homes, affordable homes, both rental and for ownership. And with mortgage rates higher, you know this becomes even more problematic. So I do think that we need more homes get built, and I think policymakers could really help here. You know, for example, in the Build Back Better, I just you know, one thing I'll call out: low-income housing tax credits. You know, very 
tried and true program works really well. Just let's just juice that up and get more rental uh, housing out there for low income households, you know, and that would help the economy a year from now. So there's a lot of things in Build Back Better. Uh, mo- you know, some some are more helpful than others when it comes to inflation, but when it comes to housing, I, I think we, that's definitely we we should we should tackle that. And you know, th- I think there could be bipartisan support there, right? Because if we're talking about tax breaks, I think that, you know a lot of people like that, that both on the Republican and Democratic side. That would be news. Mark Zandi, Chief Economist, Moody's Analytics. Always great to spend some time with you. Appreciate the insights today on Bloomberg. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely. So Mark says inflation has peaked. But if it takes months or years to come back in, what does that leave for Democrats on the campaign trail? Coming up, we assemble the panel with Bloomberg Politics contributors Rick Davis and Jeannie Shanzano. They weigh in on this and we'll check traffic and markets for you on the way. You pick the fastest hour in politics. Welcome to Sound On. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common... It's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. Go figure, it's adults without kids watching the Star Wars and Marvel movies. I see you, 80s bros. Welcome to the fastest hour in politics. we got a statement from the White House on this abortion vote. As expected, the bill failed. While this legislation did not pass today, the president writes, my administration will not stop fighting to protect access to women's reproductive care. As I mentioned, though, he was out talking about inflation once again today, following on yesterday's speech that we talked about at length, his plan versus the ultra MAGA plan. He was speaking to farmers today and uh, producers out in Illinois, food producers in Illinois and Hit a lot of the same themes as we just discussed with Mark Zandi. He says it's it's two wars we're fighting, the one in Ukraine and the one here against inflation. As we assemble the panel with Rick and Jeannie, Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis. Uh, Jeannie, this story is not getting easier. And when you look under the hood of this report and start thinking about, OK, so maybe it has peaked. That's a great headline. What if it does take months or years for this to come in? You can write off November. It might even be bumping up against the elections in 2024. This is not going away anytime soon. 
It's not. I mean, you know, a bit of good news in your interview with Mark Zandi when he said, you know, it has peaked and it will moderate. I mean, yeah. that is music to the White House's ears. You look at what the president's written statement after these numbers came out today, and he said, you know, it's hurting that inflation has moderated in April, but it's unacceptably high. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the right tone. They are being very, very careful not to celebrate at this point. The last thing they want to do is what they did with COVID, as we all remember. We put this behind us and then it slams them once again. So they're being extra cautious. And he's out today, as you mentioned, this farm in Illinois. He's trying to do what he promised to do yesterday, which is show people he's getting out on the road, he's feeling their pain, and he's trying to tie it, as you were talking about, against what Republicans are saying to the pandemic and to the war. He's saying, Mm -hmm. this is why we are here, and this is the pain you're feeling. It's not because of the American Rescue Plan. But Rick, this is Bloomberg, right? Jeannie works in academia. You're in politics. We're surrounded by incredibly smart people who understand the markets and economics. And we talk about this stuff every day and bang our heads together. But people aren't cutting this down into, well, it was the pandemic and then the war, inflation, of course, the the stimulus money that that put gas on the fire. I mean, these conversations that we have are not happening in households across the country. There's just a guy in the White House and you can blame him. Isn't it as simple as that? You know, I think it's some combination of those two things. I think it's it's too simplistic to think that the guy in the White House, regardless of who it is, is going to get the blame for it. I mean, a lot of presidents win uh, second terms. Uh, they they generally don't do well in the midterms. And so in a microcosm, sure, it's always the president to blame. And no one has had a good first quarter uh, of their presidency. But um, I, I, I think this is actually pretty unique. I, I, I think that this is one of the hardest to predict macroeconomic times of our lives and and some of it what mark zandy said which is you know you've got inflation covid fatigue supply chain problems i mean a lot of things happening and really since august of last year right i mean like that's when the slide could started for for joe biden and so there's a lot going on in a very short period of time i i think that some consumers get that right they can't get the things they want the things they want are more expensive people are spending a hundred dollars more a month on gas than they used to. I, 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 I must say that that's pretty extraordinary number uh, to see coming out of this inflation number. So, so is it then a waste of time to be delineating the causes here as opposed to just talking about solutions? I think every minute that this administration, Joe Biden's White House, spends trying to define why people feel bad instead of giving them reasons why that they can fix these problems and that they should feel confident in the future – they are making a mistake. I mean, they are trying to they're trying to rewrite history instead of make history. And that is a huge failing of many administrations and one that you can see coming with this one. Wow. Is the travel a good idea, Jeannie? Does he need to stay on the road? I think the travel's important. Listen, his hands are tied to a certain extent in terms of what he can do. That's why yesterday his announcement, people kept saying there was not a lot there new to see. And, you know, you look at the staggering report today. Somebody was listing for me. All of the things that are more expensive, chicken, coffee, shelter, gas prices, health. I mean, the the list goes on, you know, almost by any measure, whoever you are in the United States, to Rick's point, you are paying more. And this is a confounding problem. I mean, you look at, you know, poor Jimmy Carter. He probably did what he could in in getting Paul Volcker in there. He took the pain. And yet Ronald Reagan was able to come in and say, are you better off than you were four years ago? And the answer was no. That is the, the difficulty 
difficulty for Biden and for the Democrats right now. Yep. He's got to stay on the road because, quite frankly, there's not much that else he could do except say, I'm here. I see that this is where you are. You're in pain. I'm doing everything I can. Stay yep. with us because the other guys are worse. I mean, yep. that's the message. That, that is the message right now. Rick, you pointed out the first quarter of uh, any president's term can, can be a tough one. The first quarter of this year for people's 401ks was a very ugly one. How much of that factors in at the ballot box? I hate to say I, I learned a very hard lesson on how people read their their 401ks and then yeah. translate that to the ballot. September sixteenth, huh. two thousand eight. You know when the markets crashed globally and people right. got their uh, first quarter uh, October actually last quarter statements. Uh, we saw a huge drop in votes for Republicans across the board. How about that? Well. Again, history repeats itself. Just a different letter after the name. Rick and Jeannie are with us for the hour. Our signature sound on panel as we turn to primaries next. We'll be joined by Jessica Taylor from the Cook Political Report. This is Bloomberg. Broadcasting live from our nation's capital, Bloomberg 99.1 to New York, Bloomberg 1130 to Boston, Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960 to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew. People woke up to the headline today that Donald Trump lost his first race of the cycle. Is the brand tarnished? What happened in Nebraska? We'll take a look at West Virginia, and you might think differently. We need a little context here. We'll talk about the gubernatorial primary in Nebraska and the congressional race, incumbent versus incumbent in West Virginia, which turns out to be a massive win for Trump. Pro-Trump election deniers lose in Nebraska Republican primaries. Indeed, that was the big headline late last night or early this morning for a lot of Americans. Charles Herbster lost. That means Trump lost. So what about this campaign season? Well, it was a pretty darn good night for him in West Virginia. Donald Trump loves West Virginia, and West Virginia loves Donald Trump. Good night for Alex Mooney, Representative Mooney. Remembering this was an incumbent on incumbent, they lost a, a district in West Virginia, rode the Trump endorsement to victory over fellow Representative David McKinley, who had the backing, as we told you yesterday, and spent some time talking about this, the backing of Joe Manchin, a Democrat, actually getting involved in the Republican primary and still lost by a lot. It's like an 18-point spread. So was it a good or bad night? Was it a mixed night? Let's bring in Jessica Taylor. The Senate and Governor's Editor for the Great Cook Political Report. Jessica, I've been looking forward to our conversation. The Trump brand lives on and to go into Pennsylvania next week. How's he doing? Well, he got his first loss last night, as you mentioned. But ultimately, what, he, what we're seeing in these primaries across the state, you know, even in Ohio last week when his candidate won, uh, J.D. Vance. Yeah. The primaries are all about trying to be the Trumpiest, even if you are not the Trump candidate, typically. Right. So just the fact that he is driving so much of the conversation in the primaries just shows you how big his influence is. And in that governor's race, there, open governor's race in Nebraska. Yep. The term limited governor, Pete Ricketts, had endorsed uh Jim Pillen, who was on the University of Nebraska Board of Regents, versus Trump's candidate, Charles Herbster, who was a rancher and business owner. And 
so you know Pellin's got or the Ricketts candidate won out there, but there are some extenuating circumstances in the final few well, weeks right. of the campaign. This, um, these are the multi- allegations, right? Sexual assault allegations. Yes. So this is why a yes. lot of Trump supporters are saying, "Well, listen, I mean, you know, that's not a Trump loss. He did it to himself, and he didn't lose by all that much." Is that fair, Jessica? Again, it's a three-way race, so you really had, I think, you know, there was another candidate in the race, a state legislator, Dave Lundstrom, that kind of had some momentum later on. Mm-hmm. But, you know, with as close as it was, could a couple of people have pulled away from that because of those allegations? I mean, Trump obviously had allegations against him, too. So um, I think, you know, to a candidate that's not Trump, it's not as, you know, you're not as Teflon with those types of things. So in a close race, could it have mattered? A lot of people I talked to in Nebraska thought so. Talk to us about West Virginia. Uh, it was a pretty convincing win. My goodness, uh, an 18-point spread here uh, for Alex Mooney in what was almost a retribution endorsement. Donald Trump decided he did not yeah. like David McKinley because of a couple of votes. He voted for infrastructure and the, the Jan 6 commission, and suddenly your career's over. Yeah, I mean, and the ironic thing is, I mean, listen, we always knew that someone in West Virginia was going to have to lose when they lost a congressional seat. But yeah. the way that the district was redrawn, McKinley actually represented more of the new district geographically mm-hmm. than Trump's candidate, the one Alex Mooney. Typically, we see that whoever has represented the district, more of the district in this and when they're redrawn, that they have an edge. But it is Trump's came in, bashed him. Um, a lot of money spent on this race, too, still. And I think, you know, ultimately it was what type of Republican do you want in there? Because it's not like David McKinley was, you know, a, a very liberal Republican by any means. It's just sure. that he had voted, you know, against Trump on some of these issues, which, I mean, the infrastructure bill is one that has become a litmus test when, of course, Trump was pushing for infrastructure when he was <laughs> in the White House. And a weekly joke because they try to turn each weekend right. infrastructure something um, would ha- would happen that would knock it off the, the news. And West so. Virginia needed a lot of money. I mean, this was supposed to be good. Joe Manchin, of course, helped to write it. What does this mean for Joe Manchin's stature in the state? Listen, I mean, I think he's someone that's still respected. Um, he still has high approval ratings in the state. He will be up in 2024. We'll see what he decides to do when, when that is up. Um, but... I mean, Joe Manchin, ultimately, he's he's not a Republican, though, too. So I'm not sure how much that sways some people, even yes. though they may like Manchin. Um, ultimately, he has been a Democrat, albeit one that has won plenty of crossover votes when he's been governor and senator. So I think it just shows that, you know, again, Trump's endorsement carries a lot of weight in these congressional primaries um, because I think they're smaller, too. But, you know, in the larger races, this was a one on one race, essentially, yeah, right. in the larger races where multi-candidate fields, sometimes that isn't always, uh, you know, sort of the bolt of lightning. Jessica Taylor at the Cook Political Report. Appreciate your insights today. Thanks for walking us through these two. Nebraska, West Virginia. We're moving on to another big one next Tuesday. I'd love to get Rick Davis in here real quick, just as the as the Republican, of course, on our sound on panel. We talked about it last night. Rick, what does this say about Joe Manchin? Just I mean, they were trounced. It was almost a 20 point loss. Yeah, I think uh, Jessica had it right. I mean, look, uh, the the Republican governor uh, was wrong on this one, too. And uh, uh, I would say he probably bears more of uh, scrutiny, uh, Jim Justice, than than Joe Manchin, because uh, Joe's not a Republican, right? I mean, like he weighed in thinking, hey, I'm going to if I can help tip the scales, I'm happy to do it. But at the end of the day, I'm not a Republican. So how much of this is going to blow back on me? Eh, I'm not worried about it. 
uh, it's not like he is going to be competing against, uh, uh, you know, uh, Donald Trump anytime sure. soon in West Virginia, right? So uh, it was really a no lose situation for him. Uh, he could he could try to tip the scales, and the fact that he didn't, yeah, he goes on with business and votes against the abortion uh, laws that uh, yeah. Chuck Schumer wants to do. Yeah, we're going to reassemble the panel next and talk about that. We knew it was going to fail. It has happened. Abortion rights in the U.S. Senate. Rick and Jeannie are back in next. This is Sound On. This is Bloomberg. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. It's time to go on record. I ask my colleagues to think carefully about their vote and to reckon deeply about the consequences of a world where Roe is a thing of the past. Democrats are melting down because the Supreme Court may, may, uphold a Mississippi law that would limit abortion after 15 weeks. This proposed legislation is an example of extreme extremism. It is an outrage that we have five justices on the Supreme Court who lied, lied in their confirmation hearings in order to be confirmed. Let that sink in, America. A national ban on abortion is the extreme of extremes. That, Madam President, is baloney. This is a cruel, repressive, dangerous vision for our country. The Women's Health Protection Act is an extreme piece of legislation. On this vote, the yeas are 49, the nays are 51. Three-fifths of the senators duly chosen and sworn not having voted in the affirmative. The motion is not agreed to. Incidentally, 42 years to the day after Henry Hill's last day as a wise guy, somehow appropriate as we jump into the fire with the panel. Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis. Jeannie, it happened. We knew it was going to happen. But to see this 4951 with Kamala Harris presiding over the Senate still hits home for a lot of voters. How important was it to get Republicans and Joe Manchin today on the record? 
You know, I, I think it is important. Um, we knew it was not going to pass. Joe Manchin said he wasn't going to vote for it. Um, but they, the Democrats went forward with this because they do want Republicans to have to go to the mat and say this. And you do see some nervousness on the Republican side because they are really concerned that by standing against abortions of all kinds that, you know, under without exception, that they will, you know, essentially uh, push over some independence to the Democratic side potentially in some of these close races. That's really the fear. And that's what Democrats are hoping to do. Mm -hmm. There is logic to the question of should Democrats have worked harder to get Manchin, you know, Murkowski and Collins on board and tried to move forward in that direction. But but they did want to take this vote. And now they've got him on the record and they're going to move forward with this. To be on the record, Rick, could be a good thing uh, for a lot of Republicans. Does this help uh, Republicans in the Senate on the campaign trail to say, I stood up to protect life? Sure. Uh, I, I think everybody gets something out of today. They Republicans are going to say that they defended life uh, in the well of the Senate and against an effort by uh, the Democrats to um, overturn um, um, a lot of these laws that are on the books in states, trigger laws that may go into effect if the Supreme Court uh, rolls back Roe. So um, absolutely, there, this is going to be a much talked about uh, topic through the course of the midterms, uh, really overshadowing a lot of the other cultural issues that have been you know, dominant at this point. And uh, Republicans are happy to bring this up again if the Democrats want to take another vote. Well, and I, su- I suspect they will, Jeannie, that the, the president and Democratic leadership on Capitol Hill, Chuck Schumer, have promised to do that. The statement from the president today, we will continue to defend women's constitutional rights to make private reproductive choices as recognized in Roe v. Wade nearly half a century ago. And he adds, my administration will continue to explore the measures and tools at our disposal to do just that. What's he talking about, Jeannie? Are there any more tools? Um, You know, the tools are that they could keep talking about this and put pressure on Republicans to voice where they are on this. You know, if you just step back, Americans have had this right for over 50 years. If it is indeed pulled back, this is going to push much of this discussion to the state level. These gubernatorial races, the AG races at the state level, that's where these decisions will be made. And Democrats are hoping from a political perspective that if these are close races in purple districts and purple states, that this will move suburban women, young men, young women over to their side. And it's not just about abortion, remember, because the underlying argument is about privacy as a whole, and that impacts everything from contraception to LGBTQ rights. It is a huge area, and Americans don't take kindly of any swath of having rights taken away from them. Is that a, a wise angle for democrats here rick to say look if you can do this you can undo everything like Jeannie just mentioned from same-sex marriage even interracial marriage which is kind of a, a, a wacky idea at this point with clarence thomas on the court uh but that is what we're hearing from chuck schumer and from joe biden yeah i think that what i read mostly about democrat strategy around this is that the fear is actually overreaching right is to rather than having a narrow cast message around what's happening on this issue in the in the supreme court right now is that they're going to throw this big wide net over all this and try and create this sort of sense that everything is falling apart and and i don't know i mean i i I can't imagine in the environment we have with all the challenges we have 
that that message is going to penetrate um, versus one that is very narrow cast and specific to what the Supreme Court may do in the summer uh, uh, around Roe. Yeah. I, I would say, too, they, they, they need to find some messengers because the President of the United States is not a credible messenger right now to the American people. He's failed too many times. Uh, wow. Pelosi and, and Schumer uh, can't, you know, their popularity is less than the president. Uh, and, and, and so they're going to have to find people who can stand up and say, here's what this means for America, who have credibility with voters, especially like Jeannie said, those very important independent voters who will be skeptical about this broader message. And, and, and that's a hard sell right now. What do you make of that statement that Rick just made, Jeannie? Joe Biden is not a credible messenger. Because he's lost too many times. You know, I, I think Joe Biden does have a challenge when it comes to speaking about abortion specifically because it's something he stayed away from given his... As a Catholic? As a Catholic, given his commitment to That's his not religion. what Rick meant, though. That's not what Rick meant. But I do <laughs> think that... Let me circle back. I do think that that is also something that can help him as he goes out to talk about this because it is not, again, just about abortion. Abortion is enough. Don't get me wrong. But it is about privacy as a whole. Let's remember... The governor of Mississippi could not say that they wouldn't take away the right to contraception. This is a Republican Party, if you follow the Democrats, that wants into people's bedrooms. That is not something that either resonates with many Americans as what the Republican Party stands for. They are supposed to be the party that wants less government. Yes, they want less government in the economy, but no, they want more in the bedroom. That is the message that they are going to be talking about. And I don't think Joe Biden is the only person who should talk about, but I think he can talk about it pretty cogently because, again, he like many Americans, has very ambivalent views on abortion, but he also knows we have a right to make decisions in the bedroom and about our bodies. What's the answer to that, Rick? I don't know. The only Republican I remember who got into the bedroom on an issue like this was the late Bob Dole, who did the first ED commercial, and that was right in your bedroom. So uh, I'm not sure I'm going to be satisfied with this discussion about, like, Republicans want to get into everybody's bedroom like Bob Dole did. But uh, the reality is that these are long-term staked-out positions, right? Nothing has changed in this debate primarily other than, um, you know, uh, by mail uh, uh, abortion pills, right, which is going to mm-hmm. add a, a layer of of complexity to this debate but but everyone's been making the same argument for this you know since roe was decided yes and and the american public has sort of frozen in place uh on on its own views and so let's vote right i mean like you know if the supreme court's going to do what they're going to do there's very little anybody all these protesters and all these debates and all these votes are not going to really change dramatically i don't think what the supreme court's going to do so let's find out what the supreme court's going to do and then let's vote and let's see how american voters are going to handle this because well, that's it there's no news here other than the fact that it's a hot, hotter topic because of what the Supreme Court's doing. And it remains an open question, Jeannie, about whether this will play out in the polls in November. I suspect there will be uh, inevitably an impact. It's just a question of whether this actually changes votes uh, enough to change outcomes in elections here. Uh, based on the, the primary candidates that we're seeing so far, it's going to be a fight. When should... The march on Washington happened, Jeannie. What kind of we're talking about messengers to Rick's point who needs to stand up to start making noise more than the White House can do? 
You know, I, I think it has to be um, young people in particular um, who are concned about the future of their ability to make decisions yeah. for their bodies. And Where's their Hollywood lives. on this? Doesn't the Democratic Party need celebrity <laughs> messaging? And I'm being serious. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not a big fan of that. I think it's fine if people have views and they go out and stake them out. But I wouldn't rather hear from young women who in Texas and elsewhere have had their rights taken away and to talk about what that has meant to them. Because what an individual goes through under those circumstances yeah. is traumatic and it is something worth talking about. And, you know, again, Americans have very ambivalent views on this and Democrats have to be careful about overreach. They should not overreach on this. They should talk about it, but they also have to have an economic message because nothing mm-hmm. surpasses that. Hey, Rick, who raises more money on this, Democrats or Republicans? You know, I, everybody's been raising money on this yeah. f- since since so it's a windfall for both originally parties. decided. Yes, it's been a windfall. Uh, I look, uh, it always is easier to raise money out of fear than it is out of confidence. And so, the fact that the Democrats are you know really in the fear side of this equation uh, for what may happen. Uh, advantage Democrats. He knows. That's Rick Davis, along with Jeannie Shanzano, our signature panel on Sound On. Thanks to everyone for popping in today in the fastest hour in politics. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.